It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? You found us once again right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for Lacrosse Classified. Lats Class is now in session. Please pay attention. Thanks for joining us. Jake Elliott, Brad Challenger with you for episode 99 here on Lax Class. And Brad, uh, let's get you in right away here. Fantastic conversation coming up in about 15, 20 minutes from now as we will have the owner, the president, the CEO, the general manager. He's also my former boss. Georgia Swarm's own John Arlotta. I cannot believe that it's taken this long to get John Arlotta on the podcast. That's on me. But he has agreed to come on, and I cannot wait for this conversation. As you know, I worked with the Swarm back in the early 2010s and got to know John and the Arlotta family very well, and I can't wait to have this conversation. I'm sure you can't as well. What's going on, buddy? Welcome back to the podcast here on a beautiful, beautiful Monday morning as we record Lax Class here. What up? Yeah, episode 99, the Paul Rabel episode. Oh, Great please, one. 99. please. When you think of 99, no, it's where, no, it's where I, your mind goes. I personally think of Wayne Gretzky, not uh, even hold a Cantoni before I think of Paul Rabel in, in 99. So uh, Cantoni wore 99. He did. He does. Uh, Peterborough oh, Lakers. He does in Peterborough. Yeah, that's right. That's I right. think he did at actually at Hopkins as well, if I'm not mistaken, but. That's another and story. I don't know if Rabel did. Did Rabel? Yes, there? he did. He Number ninety nine yeah. at Hopkins. Maybe is that there? Is that like their twenty two there? Uh, no. The well, it drapes? might it might be now, um, but I don't think anybody wore it before Rabel. Speaking of Paul Rabel, posted up the picture. Speaking of Holden Katoni, last guy to wear a, 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 a silver chain in a Man Cup. Okay, I believe. Yeah, could be two could, chains Katoni. There. You go. <laughs> what, what about? I don't know who posted the picture up in our chat group, but uh, Paul Rabel like laying in a meadow of like tall hay and and just decked out <laughs> full denim from tip to toe that was uh he's living the dream man he's living the dream quite the image there so yeah enough I about am, what what's going on yeah i am i am equally excited about um about john or i've never spoken to him he's, mm. he's sort of a man and a myth and a legend uh, in my mind, because I don't even think I've ever crossed paths with him in real life. Like, does he travel with the team on the road? Like, even when he's been in yeah. Vancouver over the years, I don't think I've spotted him around. He's like a mythical creature. Yeah, he, he uh, he's very, I, I wouldn't say recluse, but he, he keeps to himself. And even, even like, when I asked him to come on the, conver- the podcast, I said, John, like, I can't believe it's a- taken me this long to ask you. And he says, well, Jake, he goes, you know, normally I don't like the spotlight and... Uh, you know, I don't like getting the attention. I said, well, John, I, you know, for, for first round picks, we got to talk about this. He goes, well, I was just lucky enough to have those. And I said, come on. I said, somebody had to acquire those picks and, and make those selections. So John is, is not a man who, who likes the attention or likes the spotlight. He, he likes to shine that on his coaches and his players and his franchise. And we'll do a bunch of that here today as well, but definitely want to give John some kudos. Uh, in his own right, and and listen, like I like I mentioned when I when I worked with him, th- I had the opportunity to kind of get really close in with the swarm, and and there was a couple of times where John would address the team um, for one manner or another, and 
he's the type of guy when when he starts to talk and and kind of lay it on on you, like you perk up and you're listening, and it's like whoa, like it's very inspiring and motivational. And I'll tell you this, like anytime that I'm kind of going through a tough time or I'm in a tough situation and I need some some sage advice, John Orlot is is the man that I that I text and I go to for for that advice and he's been he's been a man that uh brought me into the National Lacrosse League back when I was calling WLA games you know I called a, a couple of games in Everett and, and one down in Portland but I was you know on the outside looking in and and John tuned into to WLA games uh, because lots of his players were obviously in the league and and that's how a conversation started Marty O'Neill gave him my contact info because Marty was the GM at the time and, and John reached out to me and said I really like what you do I want you to be my broadcaster in Minnesota and then that turned into a scouting role and all the rest of it so it he really kind of brought me into the National Lacrosse League and I will forever be in debt to him for that so um, he's, like, well, um, he's 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 to you what you are to me in that in that regard because you helped me get in the door for the the Everett job when I was doing play by play for the Washington Stealth because you were working with Minnesota yeah. at the time and you're like, hey, no, I know a guy who can, yeah, they kind of had uh, the, can the do tr- this for you. So if you if Arlotta didn't hire you for the Swarm job, I wouldn't have got the Everett job, which is now the Warriors job here. Uh, how many years later? Well, there you eight, go. Eight, eight or nine years yeah, later. Yeah, I'm close to a decade. Close to you a know decade. what? And I want to. I'm excited to pick his brain a little bit because. You know, you mentioned him having sage advice and being well-spoken. And I think you kind of have to be with the decisions that he's made over the years. Um, when you look at the National Lacrosse League, you look at lacrosse in general, like everybody is so close to each other, right? And sometimes you see teams that are loyal to a fault to their veterans who keep guys past their best before date or don't want to move a guy based on loyalty. And John Arlott has never had that. So how does he balance that when he's got a, a captain like an Andrew Suter or – star players like Ryan Benash and Callum Crawford and, and more recently uh, uh, Jeremy No or Jason Noble, who, you know, these are fantastic lacrosse players that have been with the organization and paid their dues during the prime of their careers. And he has no problem trading them. And that can't be easy when you build a bond in a relationship with people. So I kind of like to figure out how he, how he counterbalances that because he's made some of his toughest decisions. I think any GM in the league has made over the last decade. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it hasn't been without, problem like I know it probably pulls on him a little bit but the the list is a long one man like you you, you mentioned a few of the guys Banesh Crawford Suter Watt Kirk like he's he's had to move on from some guys um in order to get to where he wants to go I thought you came out with a fantastic tweet there yesterday about lax class trading away a first round pick to get to <laughs> Well, it's the only it's the only currency he deals in. I don't think he recognizes USD. It's it's first round draft picks. That's the only thing that that John Arlotta uh, deals with. And you know, when I was kind of going through the list myself, um, it must have been a tough one to to trade Zed Williams this off season. Like he traded him before the PLL. So I wonder if he had not done what he did with the whips and been the MVP of the PLL this summer. Mm. Does that trade get made after that? Or was it kind of like, you know, we know he's going to be a good player. We know he has upside, but did they know what the upside could be? Yeah. I don't know. So I think we'll, that, we'll that's, that. What was that? That was a second rounder? That might have been. Moved... That was, that was it was a first and Coates. Okay. So they traded Noble first. They got two firsts for Noble from Toronto. Yeah. 
And then I think it was Zed and a second for Coates and a first. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty fair deal. I think that's probably a pretty fair. I don't know if it changes all But that this much. is a guy just ready to oh, hit yeah. his stride next to Lyle Thompson and Randy. And well, hey, listen, like uh, Randy Stotts, I believe, still unsigned with the Georgia yeah. Swarm, which makes that Zed Williams move even more pertinent, right? Like if they don't get Randy done – that's that's trouble there for the swarm after shipping Zed out and then so you know that's got to be a priority. We'll talk to John about that and and what's going on down in Georgia and all the rest of it here coming up on Lax Class episode number 99. Of course, we'll have who you got. We're into the final four. Just 3 fights remain. I cannot believe it. Started out with 64 guys. And we're down to just four. Uh, so two semifinal matchups this week uh, in the fourth quarter and who you got. And uh, what else do we got? We got quick sticks coming up. Something else again this week uh, will come up in quarter three. And, of course, this this quarter we got Stampy Tax. Who we had, Brad, are you ready to get into this? Let's do it. All right, Stampy Tax, who we had. I just had a quick chat with Kevin Michael Winkler, owner and proprietor of Stampy Tack and Westernware out there in Cloverdale since 1966. On Highway 10, right there near the Cloverdale Fairgrounds, uh, still rocking that oil skin collection inspired by the harsh Australian outback. Speaking of Australian outback, they got the Blundstone boots, Bradley. It's starting the weather. It's starting to turn. We're into fall now. I remember, you know, about a year ago here, we were actually, I think it might have been today, quite frankly, that we called the gold medal game of the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships uh, between Team Canada and the Iroquois Nationals uh, as I flash back. But uh, Blundstone boots. I remember when I first got these things, like I had to, Kevin had to like help me get my foot into it. I couldn't like get it. And now these things could not be more comfortable. I think losing a bit of weight has helped me be able to get these things on a little bit easier, but these things, they get more comfortable. The more you wear them, you got a pair of Blundstones. I do not, but I, I, the way you're describing it, it's like a, it's like a pair of Levi's, you know, like the oh, more lived in, yes. the more lived in over the years, the better. Speaking of Levi's, I'm sure they got those out at Stampede Tack and Western Wear as well. Wranglers, I know a big Wrangler outlet there as well. Stampede.ca, we're shopping online, is still shopping local. Blundstone boots, cowboy boots, work boots, you name it, they got it out there at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Check the store hours online or shop 24-7 at Stampede.ca. We're shopping online, is still shopping local. Uh, why did you ask me yesterday if if Troy Bonterra was in the bracket? Because I was doing my, I was just going back and checking YouTube clips based on mm. the fights we're going to talk about today. And I stumbled across uh, Troy Bonter winning against Rory Smith. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And so I went down the rabbit hole. I think it was a win. I'll, I'll chalk it up. Yeah, I know the one you're talking. I know Orlando and, and Troy was in Rochester. He landed a couple of big fights. So then I went down the Bonter rabbit hole and, uh, and, and saw him get knocked out by Jeff Snyder, where he puts the finger up and silences the crowd in Rochester yeah. back in his Philly days. And it was, so I just went, he looked like a tough customer. I don't really, rem that was a couple of years before I got into league. So I don't remember Troy going a lot, but I was surprised. Like he, who took him on the first round was, was Matt Green. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was uh, that so was. I, I thought based on the videos I saw last night, I thought Bonterra would be making it a little bit further. Probably should have, and I think you could probably say that for for a lot of guys in this in this bracket. But uh, Troy was definitely a very tough customer. Could have easily gone further in this tournament, but that's not the way it works, Brad. The people vote, and whoever they vote for moves on, and they have done so. Once again, by the way, we got uh, I got I got a little giveaway I'm gonna do for episode 100 final fight. I got myself a NLL hat and T-shirt from the 2020 entry draft. Um, it's a large T-shirt, so unless I want to look like Tyson Geik, which I totally don't do. <laughs> wearing that t-shirt around um i'm gonna give this thing away so look forward to that i still have to kind of figure out how i'm gonna give it away i think what i'm gonna do is once we have the final set i will give it away to the person who picks the winner and is closest to the percentage of the win and the total amount of votes uh, is going to go to the winner. So I, I hopefully I don't need to call in Evan to to figure out the math at the end of that as far as tiebreakers go, but uh, that's what I'm going to do. So look forward to that. NLL 2020 Entry Draft T-shirt and hat will be given away for Episode 100 as we crown our champion of our Who You Got Best Lacrosse Fighter Tournament of All Time. So that didn't make any sense. Best Lacrosse Fighter Tournament. Yeah, maybe it did. Okay. Down to the final four we are here, Brad, and my God, I cannot believe these matchups. I, I think I'm just going to go straight up coin for both so I don't uh, piss anybody off and, and have to get in a fight myself here. Let's start on the left side of the bracket, and, and I like the way this kind of panned out here, Brad, is we got a couple of old school on the left side and a couple of the new school, if you will, on the right side. So let's start on the left here. And one, Andy Ogilvie beat the piss out of Tory Gardner in the first round, <laughs> then took out Vancouver Warriors captain Matt Beers in round number two. Miles General was his victim in round three. And then in round four, gets past Andrew Suter, which I was a little surprised about uh, getting past Suits in round four. But there is Andy Ogilvie waiting the winner of this next matchup, Scotty Psycho McMichael. Well, how did Scotty get to the, the final four here, Brad? Well, he beat the piss out of me in round one. <laughs> By the way... Um, Biggest voting turnout in the whole thing was that fight right there, McMichael against Elliott, over like 600 votes in that fight. So I appreciate everybody that went to bat for me. I didn't get through, so Scotty beat me up, and then he took on former penalty minute leader in the NLL, Kyle Laverty. Easy win there for Scotty. And then it was Big Mo, Jeff Molesky in round three, and then took out the cannonball in round four and Patty Campbell. So pretty pretty good path to the final four here for Scotty McMichael as well. But now he takes on Andy Ogilvie in the final four. Ogilvie and Psycho, Brad Chowner, who you got? Oh, man. Actually, oh. what am I doing here? I'm giving. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is it's who we had. You're, you're jumping ahead of segment here. You're talking about segment four. Who we had. I picked 
Scotty to win last week. Yeah, and he we did. both got these two right? fights right. We both and we got both picked Roy Smith to move on to, which I'm, uh, I don't know, foreshadowing a little bit here. But we'll talk about Scotty versus. I got all excited later on. I got all excited there. Yeah. Jump ahead. Okay, so there it is. Uh, Scotty McMichael moved on. Yeah, Rory Smith and Psycho have moved into the final four. Jeff Snyder, Andy Ogilvie already waiting. You knew that from last week. So we'll we'll break down those two fights uh, coming up in quarter four, but we should probably take a break here after quarter number one. And we'll uh, just mention quickly: Rory Smith beat. Paul Dawson last week to move on and get to his spot in the semifinals, correct? He, yes, he did. Uh, yes. And and I posted up the link on, on Twitter there as well. They fought like 12 or 10 years ago, and it was a dandy. I put that link in, in, the, in the vote. I don't know if that influenced it or not, but Rory getting through. So um, there you go. Paul Dawson, you're done. Let's take a break, Brad, and let's – get uh, to quarter number two and talk to the owner general manager of the georgia swarm mr john orlotta will join us next year in episode 99 via the lacrosse flash podcast network a vancouver warriors game at rogers arena sounds like this jones shoots and he scores diving effort from mitch jones nothing's monotone lee and beers go crashing into the crease nothing's boring now we're fight it's the captain squaring off and at vancouver warriors games loads up nothing's offside tries a shot and he scores experience it for yourself vancouver warriors tickets are available now tickets starting from 1995 visit vancouverwarriors.com slash tickets today hey this is ian mckay from the buffalo bandits you're listening to lacrosse classified on the lacrosse flash podcast network your go-to source for all things nll and box across welcome back to lacrosse classified here on the lacrosse flash podcast network it's jake elliott it's brad challoner with you for episode number 99 no number 99 on the Vancouver Warriors, but you can go to VancouverWarriors.com where nothing's offside. Of course, uh, Dan Richardson, we had him on last week talking about that big trade he made to move up to number two to get Reed Bowering. Didn't see Reed out at the box yesterday. Not sure what he was up to, but uh, he'll be in a Warriors uniform before too long, along with all their other draft picks. You can check out all the news regarding the draft and everything else at VancouverWarriors.com. Or at NLL, happy birthday to Shelly, by the way. Dave Sheldon, uh, lacrosse operations, birthday today, Vancouver Warriors. So shout out to him. But now joining the podcast for the very first time, and I almost can't believe I'm saying it's the very first time, but is my former boss, the president, CEO, general manager, owner of the Georgia Swarm in one John Orlada. John, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. I've been looking forward to this conversation ever since I reached out to you. How are you? How's Bobby? How's the family? How's everything doing? <laughs> oh, we're doing great, Jake. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me here. Had I known that it was uh, episode ninety nine, I may have asked for uh, a waiting until episode 100 <laughs> but, uh, anyway it's nice to be with you guys thanks thanks for having me everybody's fine here bobby says to say hello jake uh she remembers you well and then she still watches and listens to you uh, with me occasionally she okay. doesn't watch as much lacrosse as i do but she's there occasionally well and and i told the story kind of off the top about how 
you were really responsible for for bringing me into the National Lacrosse League. I know Marty O'Neill kind of passed off my contact info, but you really reached out to me, and and I told Brad this as well that you were really a fan of the WA broadcasts, and and that's kind of how our relationship started. You just tuning into lacrosse games during the summer, watching your players and potential swarm players uh, on some summer nights back east. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Jake, the, the fact of the matter is I just listened to you. I learned a lot. Um, and, you know, the way that you present the game is just awesome. It's exciting to people. And I wanted that to be a part of what we were doing in, in Minnesota at the time. So thanks for doing it. It was fun working with you on that. And I'm, I'm really happy that you're involved where you are today. And, and this podcast, that's great. Awesome for you. Yeah, no, it, it has been great. And, and uh, speaking of great, let's let's get into the 2020 entry draft and and you made me look a little bit silly john because uh i was i was lamenting that there was no way you were going to use all four of your first round picks i could have i was i was going to mortgage the farm the the country house all of it thinking that you were going to flip at least one of those four round first round picks but you picked with all four of them uh it started with hudson it ended with rushka walker in there as well you got to be really excited about your your incoming 2020 entry class well uh i can't make you look bad very often so i'll I'll take advantage of it this time but you're absolutely right normally uh i would probably have traded a pick or two um but this was a different year as you know and uh, essentially, we have two fir- first-round draft picks coming in this year to play and two the following year. So it was a good time to use all four of them and really cement uh, this year as well as the future. You know, John, we, we joke a lot about, and we joke about it off the top, and it's, it's like an ongoing joke around the league that there's only one currency that you deal with in Georgia. It's not USD. It's, it's first round draft picks. And you always seem to have a stockpile of them. It's the going rate for any of the veterans that you ship out. Um, you know, is that sort of a, a conscious decision that you made as a manager and as an organization that, you know what, we're going to really see value in first round draft picks and make this our, our MO year after year, because I'm sure a lot of teams would like to do that, but they don't. And you do. So, you know, where did that, where did that really start with you guys? Well, you're absolutely right, Brad. It is our philosophy in Georgia. Uh, And what I often say to people is uh, we couldn't do that if there weren't other general managers who had a philosophy that was different. And that's okay. Everybody's philosophy is a little bit different. happens to be that uh, we like to do it that way. We like to have the opportunity to interview players in advance, which you don't always get otherwise. And, um, and it's just worked out really well for us. Uh, but again, I would say there's no right or wrong way to do this, in my opinion. Uh, everybody does it a little bit different. And if that weren't the case, we wouldn't be able to make trades and get first round draft picks. So um, that's definitely what we do. However, with that said, I would also mention that we do supplement with free agents at the right time and place. And Mike Poulin is a great example of that. And uh, Jordan Hall as well. We don't do it a lot, uh, but we do do it. And occasionally uh, I'll make a trade for a player where I feel like I know that player a bit and know that uh, they would be additive to our team. And two great examples of that are Joel White and uh, Dan Coates. 
So it isn't all about first round draft picks for us, but uh, there's no question that we do have that philosophy, but we supplement with occasional players in trades and occasional players in free agency. Speaking with general manager and owner of the Georgia Swarm, John Arlotta. Sorry, Bradley. And just so you know, Brad, Brad put out a tweet yesterday saying that he had to give up a first-round pick just to get you onto the program here. and he's, <laughs> he's got the picture of you lifting the cup over your head in 2017 with the Swarm. Um, and, and you're right, John. Like you, you make a deal like you did for Jason Noble and you get Dan Coates in. And for you, it's it's I know this for a fact, but you can expand on it. It's not just about a player's talent or his salary or where he lives. For you, character in a player is just as important, if not more important than anything else. Well, Jake, you're absolutely right. And uh, there's a, uh, a phrase above our locker room door as our players go out to go on the floor. And it's a quote from me when we moved the team to Atlanta and uh, a journalist asked me in a press conference, what's it take to play for the Swarm? And I said, well, it takes talent to play in the NLL, but it takes character to play for the Swarm. And uh, I really believe in my heart um, that that is a difference maker. Um, and look, we're not always right when we interview people and we think about character. And everybody defines character in a slightly different way, quite frankly. Uh, but for us, character is equally important to talent. And um, that's just the way we run the organization top to bottom. How about moving moving off on guys, John? I know it's been a... a- we, we talk about loyalty a lot in the National Lacrosse League, and, and some teams hold on to loyalty as a fault almost, and they don't want to give up guys that have meant a lot to the organization or, you know, they think they're going to retire a number one day or guys that have meant a lot in the past. But, you know, I'm sure you made a lot of tough decisions in your day with Ryan Banesh and Callum Crawford and Evan Kirk and, and Zeddy Williams most recently, like guys that have meant a lot to this team. Um, you know, how, how hard is it to move off of a guy who is in, in his prime time um, but but you you see value coming back in, in draft picks. Very hard, Brad. Um, I'm not immune from that at all. Um, I think I have a really good relationships with our players. Um, I try to help them on and off the floor. It's another mantra of ours. Uh, playing for the Swarm has to be about more than just lacrosse. And so I get close to our players, just like, like any other general manager and owner uh, gets close to their players. So it's very hard to do. Um, I, I would say that uh, each situation is a little different. Uh, every time you make a move like that, uh, there are a lot of different factors. And um, we've been fortunate enough that you know, the factors always relate to making us better in some way. Uh, and you know, not that we're not wanting a player on our team. So that makes it you know, even harder. Uh, we're giving up guys that have character. We're giving up guys that have talent. Um, but there are extenuating circumstances to every one of those situations. And uh, as I said, I'm not immune to, um, you know, feeling really, really like it's a tough day when I have to make that phone call uh, to a player saying that they've been traded. Um, but it's, it's um, you know, it's rarely a surprise because we talk about a lot of different things. And, and I have the kind of relationship with, that's very open with our players. Speaking with John Arlotta here from the Georgia Swarm, and and I mentioned your first four first-round picks that you had, and, and two are going to go into your lineup in, in Hudson and Rushka, and I want you to talk about Lane because 
He is the very first Saskatchewan-born player to be taken in the first round in the National Lacrosse League, and and I've gotten to know the family quite well being in Saskatchewan, and they are just over the moon. And and I know there was probably a lot of people in Saskatchewan hoping that Lane would end up with the rush, but that was never really going to happen, and I couldn't be more happy for Lane to end up down in Georgia and, and learn from a guy like Mike Poulin, who is nearing kind of the end of his career. Still some good years ahead for Pooley for sure, but I think it's the perfect situation for Lane to learn under a guy like Mike and really hone his craft. What was your thought process going into that draft and when you selected Lane where you did? Well, uh, I know it probably surprised a, a lot of people, but um, for, for me, um, there's a lot going on in the league with expansion. Um, we've got a, a backup goalie, Kevin Orleman, who's really, really good. And um, I just think that you, you have to put yourself in a position where you're thinking down the road and, you know, should we lose Kevin um, to expansion? Then, you know, we have to have a backup because Mike's probably only going to play a couple more years. Um, so looking for a goalie was an important thing for me. I just felt like looking at the goalies that were out there this year and that I see in the future that Lane was uh, a great one to hang our hat on. Uh, watched a number of his ALL games, uh, which helped a lot. And then I talked to him. And this is a really mature young man uh, who wants to learn from somebody like Mike Poole and who wants to be part of an organization where he can learn from, from Mike and, and frankly, from Kevin, when, he, when I was interviewing him, he said, you know, I have a lot I can learn from Kevin as well. And that's pretty impressive when someone says that to you, um, not feeling entitled, not feeling like they have to be playing right away. Um, Lane and I worked out a plan, which I'll keep between us for right now, but we worked out a plan that uh, made sense for us. And uh, when he said it makes sense for him, then I said, great, uh, you know, I'm going to go all in on this because I think you've got great potential uh, and, and certainly you, you match the character that we're looking for on the swarm. So that's the way it kind of worked out. But we're really, really happy and talking to Lane afterwards and, and just seeing the reaction of his, his family was really pretty cool. Very yeah. happy for Absolutely. And and your other draft picks, uh, Ethan Walker, a Denver Pioneer product, Peterborough kid. He'll he'll be another year at Denver getting his master's degree, which I'm sure you like as well. Uh, good, smart kid there. And and Hudson, who I think will step right into your lineup and, and be a regular NLLer right from the get-go. I think the guy that maybe you might have been surprised to get and see sitting there at number eight, John, was was Jeff Henrik, who was really touted to go much higher in the draft. But uh, Saskatchewan going with Marshall Palace, they didn't really have a need for Henrik, they felt, and, and that left him sitting there at eight. I don't think – maybe you're, maybe I'm wrong. I wouldn't expect you to think that he would be sitting there at eight. So let me ask you this, John, and, and I don't know if you'll answer me or not, but I'm going to ask you anyways. If Saskatchewan had decided to dig Jeff Henrik at seven, so he wasn't there for you at eight, who would you have selected? <laughs> Jake, I'm not going to answer I that. knew it. I knew it. Well, tell uh, me how excited you were to see Jeff Henrik sitting there at eight yeah, for you then. We, we definitely had a player that we would have taken at eight and would have been really excited about. But when you have an opportunity to get a Jeff Henrik at eight, um, you just don't pass on that. Um, the, the kid is a, a great leader. He's tough. 
Uh, he's a great player. Um, there's so much to like about Jeff. The fact that we got him at eight, I, I think everybody will look back on that and say, you know, years down the road, wow, that was <laughs> that was pretty amazing. So, uh, but uh, we had another player that we would have taken and been very, very happy with. Uh, but Jeff being there was an amazing thing for us, and we're really excited about it. John, we, we miss lacrosse so much, and we all want to get back in the booth watching the guys play. Jake and I want to be calling games again. Um, we, heard a, we heard an interview with yourself on uh, 680 The Fan in, in Atlanta this week, or, or last week, I guess it was, and the guys were kind of grilling you a little bit, trying to figure out when that return to play would be, and one of the, the dates that got thrown around was looking as late as, like, March. Um, you know, is that, is that kind of where you're hearing things sitting right now as far as a return to play for the NLL? Well, first of all, let me say, I, I don't speak for the NLL. I'm, I'm one owner. Um, and I'm sure when you have other owners on, um, you know, they give you your, their opinion. And, and this is just my opinion. But um, if you ask me to handicap, uh, I would say that uh, given the border situation not being very clear at this point in time, uh, almost into October, um, that January would be difficult because we'd have to be having training camp in December. So I wouldn't handicap uh, January strongly. Um, February is certainly a possibility, uh, but again, we don't know about the, the border. Uh, and if you were ask, asking me where would I place a bet, I'd place a bet more on March than I would on either January or February. But again, one owner, uh, a lot of other people are gonna make that decision. Uh, and there's a lot of work going on to put us in a position to make that decision, you know, hopefully sooner than later so that the players know, the fans know, uh, and we can get back to planning for the season. Yeah, broadcasters um, I, know I, as well. Broadcasters, <laughs> yes, broadcasters. Yeah, no, good point, Jake. I wonder, and I wonder, too, if you could handicap this for me, John. Um, how if, if it is March or later than that for the next National Lacrosse League season to begin – I think we're more likely to lose the college season before that announcement happens. So, you know, there's a potential that those college players that none of us thought were going to be in the next national lacrosse league season could be there. If things get cut short for them at school, you know, is, do, you, do you see any world where you're getting all four of those guys in a lineup the next time the Georgia swarm at the floor? Well, yeah, that's a really interesting point, Brad. And, um, those who know me well know I always talk about unintended consequences of our decisions, right? Regardless of what those are, um, that's uh, potentially an unintended consequence of the decision we made uh, relative to the draft this year as a league. And uh, we, we did a lot of thinking about it. It was the right thing to do for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but uh, it, it could very well be that something like that would happen. And uh, I don't think any of us really planned for that uh, because at the time that the decision was made, it looked like things were easing up a little bit. Um, you know, now we're having some additional outbreaks in the U.S. And I think the same may be true in Canada. So uh, that could happen and uh, we'll just have to deal with it when it comes. So it's, the, it's adversity. It's the adversity that players face on the floor. We face as an organization. And how do you deal with it? Well, you deal with it straight up. You have options ready to go, and um, and then you adjust accordingly, just like the players do on the floor. So that's what I would anticipate if that 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 happens. There'll be some discussions at the league level, and we'll try to figure out what's going to be fair for everybody. 
couple of more minutes here with GM and owner of the Georgia Swarm, John Arlotta. And, and I don't know if you can answer this or not, John, with your, your background in medical, your profession, um, options for the NLL and, and, you know, a potential to have a Canadian division only where they're not traveling back and forth across the border. I know there's uh, only 25% capacity allowed in, in certain arenas in certain states right now. I think it's pretty common knowledge that it usually takes somewhere between 12 and 18 months to to come up with a vaccine for a for a virus like this. Um, do you have any insight or knowledge on on where they're at with with the vaccine and when a potential one could come out to kind of help alleviate these restrictions that we're all under right now? Well, uh, first of all, I am in the healthcare business. Uh, and I, I wish that put me in a position to know exactly what the answer is to your question, Jake. But I, I rely on, uh, you know, what's being said in the press and, and what I hear from our medical staff uh, at our company or companies. I'm actually involved in three different healthcare companies. So um, I, I believe that there could indeed be a vaccine approved in the U.S., at least, uh, you know, by the end of the year. How many people will actually take that vaccine is an open question. Um, And uh, I was talking to somebody earlier today and uh, about my age. And I said, are you going to take the vaccine? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, I don't know either. (laughs) And I think there are a lot, (laughs) there are a lot of people who may feel that way. Yeah. I, I just, uh, the question about a Canadian um, sort of division, I think the way you put it. Yeah. Just bubbles, I I guess. Yeah, well, maybe maybe a bubble, but I, I don't even know how you do that, uh, honestly. I, I think we, we, uh, we have to, and, and there's been some discussion. Look, there'll, there'll be an option developed by the league in a worst case scenario. We're working on those things. Uh, but the, the, the honest answer, I think, is we need to have people in the arena. Uh, right now in Georgia, it's 25% if we were to start in December. Yeah. We think it might be more than that if we go into the first part of the year, but we don't know for sure. Uh, people in the arena, players safe, uh, all the testing that we're going to need to do available uh, readily. Um, and, you know, frankly, players feeling comfortable that they can cross the border and, and, uh, and then go back home and, and not be impacted, not just with their families, but their jobs as well. So there's so many factors that enter into this. Uh, again, if I were handicapping, I'd handicap more on the side of just playing in front of fewer people, yeah. uh, at, least, at least for a while until people start taking the vaccine. And I don't know when the vaccine is going to be available in Canada. Yeah. So uh, I can say in the U.S., the government has you know, put forth a lot of money in advance and they're taking a chance and actually producing vaccines that uh, they might have to throw out if they don't work, uh, but the government's been willing to do that here. I don't know what the situation is in Canada. Okay, you good, Bradley? Yeah, I think so. This has been uh, a great, great conversation, and we hit a lot of the areas that we were hoping to to hit with you, John, talking about um, you know giving up the, the working in first round pegs and and bringing in and 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 happen to make tough conversations with the veterans and stuff. I guess while well, we got you as a general manager in the National Lacrosse League. Um, one of the things that we've been throwing around the last couple of weeks is uh, the compensatory picks that we saw at the end of the first and, and second rounds, especially recently. It just seems like that number is ballooning every year. So, you know, as as 
Jake and I, I think, have both been on record on the show saying not a really big fan of teams getting a first-round draft pick seemingly – uh, you know, for, for different reasons, you know, some players seem to be worth uh, a different amount from when the league is delegating. And there, there are a lot of players getting teams, getting first round draft picks for teams losing under 60 free agents who are deep into their thirties. Um, just as a general manager, what's your thought on, on getting compensatory picks? Are you a fan of them? Or you think that's something that the league should be phasing out at some point? Well, first, let me say, I, I, I think given the situation that Brian Lemon and his group do a great job of, uh, there's more. There's actually more science to it than you may know. I've been through it with Brian, and um, I think they do a great job. However, um, the issue for me as a general manager and, frankly, as an owner and someone who thinks about expansion and expansion teams coming in is that there are just too many picks in the first and second round now, which which devalues um, the, the picks in the yeah, second round. Yeah. So if you're thinking of this from an expansion team standpoint and they don't get to pick in their second round pick until what pick 20 or yeah, well, yeah, eight, 18 instead of 14, which it should have been for New yeah. York this year. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be, it'll be worse next year probably. So I believe that we have to fix that. And I think that there are a lot of other owners that feel the same way. And um, there's work going on to come up with uh, alternative means of, of doing that. Um, and I, I just feel like we'll, we'll come up with a solution. This was an unintended consequence of uh, what we did a few years ago when, when we had the new CBA and we had compensation actually laid out. So um, we'll fix it. Uh, I think uh, everybody understands that there's an issue there and we'll, we'll figure a way to, to get it fixed and make it fair for everybody, the teams, the players, um, everybody. Good. That's great. That's great to hear. And, and last one here for you, John. And uh, we haven't even talked a, a lot about what's what's happening down there in Georgia with the Swarm. I know no no season, not a lot going on right now. But I, I think you've been down there long enough now where you've really kind of supplanted yourself. You've established some roots. I know you and Andy have done some great work. And and even uh, my guy Ty Marrow down there, who I've gotten to know a little bit lately, John, uh, really big fan of his and, and all the hard work that he's doing for you guys talk about what's happening down there in georgia i know you had lyle living in market for a while and 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 growing the program the grassroots uh down there in gwinnett uh, tell me how that's all been going well thanks for asking uh jake actually um we're we're feeling really really good about our situation in atlanta we made real progress last year before uh the pandemic hit uh we were growing each game um and, and we were quite excited about where things were headed. Uh, by the way, Ty's great. Thanks for uh, a yeah. shout out to Ty. He's great, great young man. Does a lot of good things for us and does many different things for yeah. us. So we, yes. we really appreciate Ty. Uh, the, the, uh, it's still going to take time in, in the South. Um, and it's more about uh, their growing really quickly in outdoor lacrosse and getting to understand the importance of the box game uh, to their players' development is something that's taking time. Uh, so I think from a lacrosse standpoint, um, we've made a lot of progress, but we're not, we're not there. From a fan standpoint, as we all know, uh, the great thing about our league is that this isn't just about people who know lacrosse. 
the, the fans are not just people who know lacrosse. The fans are people that learn lacrosse because they love the entertainment value and they love the skill level of, that's right, the gold band. <laughs> uh, and, and so they love the entertainment. And uh, once they get hooked on it, uh, it takes a while, but once they get hooked on it, they, they come back. So our, our, uh, our objective, our goal, um, our challenge at the same time is to make sure that we're exposing more and more people, lacrosse or non-lacrosse people, to the game as quickly as we can. And as I said, we were making great progress when uh, things things broke down. Um, but we'll get back. And uh, Andy's got a great group of people there now, a really good sales organization. And um, yes, Lyle was in market. That helped us last year. He's, you know, he's just fantastic. Um, and he got and, the MVP so, down there too, John, as well. Uh, let's not forget. I, I told you, yeah, I told Jacko, I said, Dang. when he won the MVP, I said, man, are you ever making me look smart to John Arlotto? You, you win in the MVP. Like I'm going to ride that coattail for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We watched Shane together. I think Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, that's true. And, and uh, Shane's awesome. You, you talk about, um, you talk about a kid who um, plays every second, uh, whether it's in practice or in a game, full out, uh, totally focused, really cares, great character. Uh, he's a very deserving uh, MVP, and I, I couldn't be more happy for him. And and you know, more happy that 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 here's a guy that a lot of people doubted uh, because of his size, and and look what he accomplished. Yeah. Uh, just fantastic. Pretty impressive stuff, John. You are an impressive, man. Uh, I I feel bad waiting so long to have this conversation with you on my podcast. I really appreciate uh, your time and best of luck with the Georgia Swarm moving forward. Say hi to Andy and Bobby and, and Ty and everybody down there, and, and we'll catch up soon. Will do. Uh, thanks, Jake. Thanks, Brad. Uh, nice to meet you, Brad, here, and uh, talk soon, guys. Okay. Stay safe. Thanks you too. That was Bye-bye. general manager, owner of the Georgia Swarm, one John Arlotta right there, Brad. We were talking about our top 100, our favorite guests, and all that, like – Put Mr. Arlotta in the conversation after that. My goodness, what a what a chat that was. Yeah, and not afraid to to show his opinion and 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 be fair and, and provide some insight. He didn't skirt away from anything. It was it was really appreciated how how open and honest John was. So. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I got to give it up to fan. to our boy Blake Milton, uh, who I know is a dedicated listener, and we had a little back and forth on Twitter about uh, some of the comments that John made in that previous interview, and he was the one that suggested we get John on to to kind of elaborate and expand on that uh, conversation, which I think we did. And there you go, Blake. Hopefully, uh, you're feeling a little bit better about things after hearing. That. I know I am. Let's uh, take a break here, Brad, and let's get to quarter three. Quick sticks and something else is coming up here on episode 99. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is Christian Del Bianco from the Calgary Roughnecks. You're listening to Lacrosse Class 5, throwing the game one podcast at a time. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back 
to Lax Class Quarter 3 we go into now. And in Quarter 3, we do a couple of things. We do quick sticks and we do and i almost said manscape <laughs> i hope we're not manscaping in quarter three and we do something else but quick sticks is brought to you by manscaped and there you go the brand new lawnmower 3.0 brother uh i gonna be quite frank with you here did a little manscaping in the shower yesterday and uh things looking it i was out at the box uh, a couple of days three four days ago with hall of famer goaltender rick mang and just kind of chucking the ball around i said oh have you have you heard the show lately you got a new sponsor he goes oh what do you got a manscape he goes oh manscaped yeah he goes man he goes uh, i just started doing that kind of recently he hadn't used the lawnmower yet he goes but the best thing about it all he goes, it makes it look bigger. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you need a better reason than that right there. You manscape yourself, and it looks bigger. What more do you want? Well, it surprised me to hear from Manger because, you know, goaltenders always want as much padding as possible. <laughs> so I didn't think goaltenders would be manscaping, but fair enough. You know, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've been bike riding. Mm-hmm. lately just yep. one of the it's nice fall it's nice to go, cruise down to the beach and, and go for a little rip here but to sit on one of those seats you got to make sure everything is in is in tip-top shape yeah. so the lawnmower 3.0 comes in handy you got to put the uh the, the revitalizer and the ball deodorant down there to keep things dry and make sure you're not chafing on the seat when you go for those bike rides so that's when it's really coming handy for me the last little while you know before you hop on and, and pedal your way from wherever to wherever Make sure you're you're hitting that Manscaped package. Absolutely, and uh, more than just the lawnmower 3.0. But don't forget, they got the LED light, the Quiet Stroke technology. It's waterproof. The charging dock. They got it all. Promo code LAXCLASS20. Manscaped.com. Free shipping. Twenty percent off. I know uh, Tyson Gick. He just hopped on board. We're getting new people signing up on the daily, but if you're if you're on the fence about this, you will not be disappointed. Just trust me on this one. It is money well spent. You're wondering why maybe the girlfriend or the wife hasn't, uh, you know, taken a trip down south, if you know what I'm saying, saying Bradley, lately. Uh, manscape yourself, and, and I bet you the action picks up in a hurry and they got more than just the lawnmower they got the refined cologne the razor the plow 2.0 the foot duster the crop cleanser you need the boxers you it, it won't feel complete until you cap it off with the boxers to go with it you'll feel like a like a new man there you go manscape.com promo code lax class 20 and save yourself 20% off and get free shipping in the process so quick sticks this week and I had like, I don't know, 718 player transactions and signings and all the rest of it listed down here. You came up with a much better idea because most of these are, are draft signings. So rookies either signing a one or a two-year deal or being designated to the draft list, meaning they're going back to school for another year. So you decided, uh, why don't we just kind of hand out a letter grade to each team on how they, how we think, or how you think they did for the past draft, and I thought, well, that's a pretty good idea. With that being said, we got a few more items to cross off our list before we get to that, Brad. So, um, we'll save that one for something else. Oh, I wanted to get this in. Chuck, the tease. That's called the tease. Yeah, Chuck Graham shout out here. I got a message on on Instagram. 
from a guy, I can't remember his name now, but said that his his son listens to the podcast. Sorry about all the manscape there to, to this guy. So you'll, you'll be informed a little later on in life here, Chuck. But um, he said he was super disappointed that the President's Cup didn't happen in Leduc, Alberta. He was really hoping to meet me and get an autograph. I don't know why he wanted my autograph. But anyways, I wanted to give Chuck a shout-out. Tell him thanks for listening. I plan to be in Leduc next summer for the President's Cup and be happy to meet him and, and sign a ball or whatever he wants uh, next summer. So shout-out to Chuck Graham, and thanks for listening to the podcast, buddy. Team Store, while you're at it, Chuck, why don't you hop on the Lacrosse Flash Team Store and check out Lacrosse Classified T-shirts and get yourself one of those, courtesy of Savage Lacrosse. What else? Brandon Miller, did you see this, Brad? Retired from the Philly Wings and instantly rehired by the Toronto Rock as their goaltender coach. I think this is a great move. I know Nikki Rose and, and Hutch are fired up about having B. Mill as their coach now. Yeah, if, if Orangeville is on your on your driver's license or on your birth certificate, you, you end up working for the Toronto Rock at some point. So not <laughs> not surprising that B Mill lands in with the Toronto That's Rock. That's the trick. That's the trick. Exactly. Uh, Born in Orangeville. Yeah. Speaking of retirement, Kevin Buchanan retiring as well. Congrats to him on just a fantastic career in Kevin Buchanan. Who is now done? Uh, somebody posted this up, I think, in our chat group. Might have been Chuck Ragusa about junior, former junior NLLers, Brad. Who you know, the junior NLL do you do a, a yearly tournament, or they did at least they will again, um, usually in Toronto or Calgary. I can't remember which one, but they put like all the teams bring a junior NLL team, and they have this big tournament. Well, now we're starting to see players that have come through the junior NLL program now have made it to the pros. This is really cool. Lane Rushka being one of them. Yeah, it's been a it's been a slow process, but I'm glad to see the fruits of the labor starting starting to pay off. The more that that tournament can produce some high profile talent, the the bigger it's going to get. They do they do great work in every market that that program has. Uh, has been run in the past for sure. And I remember talking to Curtis Hodgson about this when the junior stealth used to send a team out back in the day, but you know, he was saying it wasn't just BC's all-stars. It was actually most of the guys that got cut from the summer program. So it's not to see those guys who, who have to take an extra really step on the rung to get there makes it even more impressive because the best, the best have a place to go for the most part. These are players that are still looking for that learning experience, but to get to, get coached by players in the National Lacrosse League and learn from those guys uh, for a couple weeks every summer is is massive. One other shout-out I wanted to get in here was uh, with all the signings and all the rest of it, Tyler Garrison just getting signed by the San Diego Seals today, in fact, but this one came across my eyes uh, a few days ago, and that's Joel Matthews, who, for people that don't know, Joel, former Man Cup champion with uh, Peterborough and, and really good player in his day and then ran into some abuse problems as far as uh, drugs and alcohol and kind of fell off the map a little bit. Joel has gotten his life back on track and started to work out like crazy and really battled and fought to get back to his old self here. And the Buffalo Bandits have signed Joel Matthews to a tryout contract, and I'm pulling for this guy to, to make it happen. He has come so far from where he was to where he is now, and you just you love to see – success stories like that and and he's right back where he wants to be and and he's vowed not to let this opportunity slip through his fingers again and you just got to pull for guys like that 
Yeah, and that could be a good fit for him to be in Buffalo. You know, it's 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 a little closer to home, so you're not spending too many weekends on the road. And, you know, you can sleep in your own bed at night after a Bandits game if you really want to, to go home to Ontario. Um, so I think that's a good fit, a good group of guys in that Bandits room. That team's really uh, on the up and up and, you know, contenders every year. So a nice spot for him to land for sure. No doubt about it. Okay, Bradley, let's uh, get into this here. Draft letter grades. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to go alphabetical? you want to do division? How do you want to work this? Yeah, well, we can do alphabetical. We'll rip through this. And picking up where the where you mentioned the Buffalo Band, it's there. You know, I, I said last week, we talked about this on the show, and I said Calgary and Georgia, for me, kind of kind mm-hmm. of won the draft. But mm-hmm. now that I'm looking at the list, if I gave Calgary an A, which, you know, I kind of did last week, then I think I got to give the Buffalo Bandits an A as well for the same reasons that Calgary got. And they got a top 10 pick in Brad McCauley. They trade up to get Sam LaRue at 18. They get Jordan Sturris a couple of minutes later, a couple of picks later. So you know, that's three potential rostered players they're getting in the first uh, round and a half of, of draft. So I gave the Buffalo Bandits an A based on that. I'm increasing their ranking from okay. last week. I will you go B. I'm going to go B for go Buffalo. B. B for Buffalo. Take right. away a point for trading Gilray, but to get LaRue could be the steal of the draft. Jordan Sturris is going to be a player and McCauley can contribute to. So Roughnecks we talked about last week. We'll give them an A. Tanner Cook in the first round, and then Harrison Matsuoka. Matsuoka. Matt, get to know it. Matsuoka. Guys who I could see making that roster. So, again, a team that could have potentially three players, uh, maybe more. Make their make their roster in the coming years. Yeah, I think four. I think four make that team. Cook, I mean, Cook and Matsuoka, Ticers are all a year away as they're on the draft list. Patty Dodds, uh, I think, is going to be a practice roster player there as well. And who knows, Justin Getty, along with Landon Kells, I think, are going to battle uh, Tyler Richards for that that backup and third spot there as well. So. Uh, some good value late in the draft with Laszlo Henning as well for the Calgary Roughnecks, who are right near the top of my letter grades as far as how the draft played out. Colorado. Colorado Mammoth. Oh, let's go with a C-plus for the Colorado Mammoth. They didn't get their first pick until pretty late, and they tried to trade up to get it, too, to take Ron John, which is such a Pat Coyle uh, player. And then they get uh, Brett McIntyre from Okotoks, who's Andrew McBride guy, so points there. Jordan Trottier, Jalen Chaster, also guys that could crack that roster, and a flyer on Pat and who's an American out of uh, Notre Dame and the Denver Outlaws. Nate Fasine, a little deep goaltender pick there too. So I like what the Mammoth made out of their draft, even though they didn't have a lot of high picks. They made the best of their late ones for sure. So yeah. C-plus Denver. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll concur with you on that one. I will go C-plus for the Colorado Mammoth as well. Moving along, Georgia Swarm. Just talked to John Arlotta. I think this... This breakdown could be fairly quick after that conversation. Yeah, A for Arlotta, three, four first-round draft picks. Two can make the team this year. Two can make the team next year, depending on, you know, COVID or whatever the situation is. But Hudson, Henrik, Walker, and Rushka, I think they're all players in this league at some point. So and even a Firth and Swarm. Buck coming in after them, I think, have, have an outside shot of – of crack in the league as well. So well done as always for one John Arlotta, who now has an extra first round pick next year from us as well. Halifax Thunderbirds. Why don't we save Halifax? Because I, I'm going to foreshadow a little bit uh, for something else, if you will, Brad. So let's skip past Halifax and move on to New England. 
Let's go C for the New England Black Wolves. They didn't have a pick until late in the second round where they moved up to take Charlie Kitchen, who Glenn Clark's familiar with, and then flyers on Michael Sowers and Grant Ament. So, you know, this potentially could be a higher pick down the road as far as right now goes, based on not knowing if those guys are committed to box lacrosse or not. I'm going to go C for the New England Black Wolves. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Don't get all sensey pants either, New England fans or coaches or manager i mean this is we can't give everybody a's and we're not going to give everybody f's so don't you know don't get your panties in a bunch here if you if you get like an average letter grade and listen like uh charlie kitchen could be a steal here and then like sours and amen if these guys pan out like these guys are two of the best field lacrosse players on the planet and if they pan out in box, like these could be absolute snipers of picks here for Glenn Clark and company. I want Kitchen to pan out just based on like the puns and the things yeah. that play off. In your name. kitchen. Like, He's get in your kitchen. The- yeah, yeah. Charlie Kitchen, get out of my kitchen. He can't take the heat. <laughs> It'll be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Riptide are up next. Uh, New York Riptide, Bradley. What do you give them? Well, they got Jeff Teat. If, if he plays as a New York Riptide, we'll give him an A. Um, they also made best out of some deep picks like Larson Sundown late, I think mm. is a great pick. Ty Thompson, uh, Matthew Bussinol. Boysen. Uh, so they made Boysen. and and Chris Veltman. Is he of the Veltman yes. uh ilk? Yes. Of the Veltman family and ties. So yeah, that's we'll give we'll give I want to say that's Jim's a nephew. A John's son, Jim's nephew, I believe there. And and man, you're right. I I don't want to start rumors swirling around here on Lax Class, Brad, because we really don't know. But Jeff Teat and whether he is going to be a member of the Riptide or not is still up in the air, as far as yeah. I know. Like, and it and it started with him not showing up to the draft, right? Like every other first round pick was on camera, interviewed by Tabitha, and and but no Jeff Teat for the number one overall pick. Now, why that was? I don't know. Maybe Jeff had a prior engagement. Maybe something family emergency. I don't know. But the fact that he wasn't there makes me raise my eyebrows. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we did talk about that last week, and I got a couple of people that, that sent me messages after that saying, yeah, you know what? We've heard that that there is other places that he wants to go. I've, at this point, I don't know. Like, give New York a chance. Well, listen. Like, you got your buddy. You got your buddy Tyson Gibson there across the floor. Calum Crawford's not going to be around forever. Um, and this is a team on the up and up. They're I a big so. goaltender away from I think making a making a real push here. And we haven't like we've seen, and and we again, I don't know if this is what's happening. If he's making demands that he wants out and wants to be sure. I don't know any of that. Okay, I want to make that very very clear that I don't know. Um. What we do know is we've seen this happen in the WLA before with guys like Kevin Crowley and Geich, and I want to even say like Derek Malowski back in the day where they get drafted and they just say like, I'm not playing there, trade me. And they end up getting traded. But this is the National Lacrosse League, and there's real precedent here, okay? So if if Jeff T does this and says, I'm not playing for New York, Again, this is hypothetical speculation, people. Okay, if he says this, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not playing in New York. Trade me, and it gets done. This opens a Pandora's box. This opens the gateway for players coming in year after year to try and pull this 
and I don't know if this is a road that this league wants to go down. I get like I I can get it from a player's perspective that you know this is what they want, but if the league allows this to happen, I think they're asking for a heap of trouble in the future. Yeah, hundred percent. Precedent needs to be set for sure, for uh, sure. And I wonder if if how much. Again, all speculation, but I think if there was an inkling that this was going to happen, maybe the league, I'm surprised the league hadn't stepped in earlier and said, you know what, make the trade then and make it now. Yeah. Um, as long as, but I, they, you know, they're, then they're under the tough, what do you give up or what do you accept yeah. back from yeah. a team knowing that this guy's definitely not going to commit? So the value drops right then and there. It's better to have that sort of mystique and that mystery and, and hold out but yeah we'll, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that one we'll just sure. see how it all plays out there on long island uh I, what was your letter grade i didn't hear your letter grade uh i'll go a right now because of uh thompson and, and sundown and, and the late picks p- yeah. coupled with t i think they made the best out of some later picks i'm gonna go b plus for the riptide and i'll go a plus if Jeff Teat signs a contract. How about that? Philly Wings, uh, the first pick, Jackson Subak out of Mimico. Constabile, Dylan Folds, Benny French. Uh, what do you think here for Paul Day and the Philly Wings? You know Coach Day is listening, Brad, so be careful. And I know he got he got a good pick late in the final pick in the first round in Subak. Uh, Constabile, if he shows up, would be a fantastic National Lacrosse League player. Uh, and Dylan Fold's going to be a player too. And he, he was taken deep. He was a big part of the Adnax uh, Junior Club the last couple of seasons. Yeah, Penn so State guys. I well. think, yeah, Penn, a fifth year Penn State's massive. That's such a big school and, and great competition there for Foldsy. Yeah, I like what Philly did with their later picks. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go C plus for the Philadelphia Wings and Coach Day. I'll go B minus for Philly because, again, like I think we have to take into consideration here, like we can't fault. New England for not having a first or a second. Well, I guess we could, but you have to grade them on what was available to them, what picks they had, and what they did with those picks. Did they like, make the most of their picks? Exactly. exactly. That's 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 what it is, you know. So I look more at kind of when I was going through this, I kind of looked on how many first rounders do you have as a first is a big part of it. Um, how many players on the list do I think could crack that roster in the next year or two, and then you know value at at deep so like a larson sundown to me because he was great drafted value. so later great value bumps up new york's stock a little bit for me. absolutely okay uh, rochester nighthawks yeah. i'll go c plus they got ryan smith and then they didn't do a whole bunch else later on i don't think of what's going to happen in the next year or two for well, Rochester. okay how about this brad I'll give do them we, props for do we take into consideration that they bring in a guy like gilray on draft night i know they didn't draft him but they brought in what like he's going to be their best defender yeah, so you do get a couple props for that for bringing in Gilray and bringing in Wittig, but as far as the draft goes, I, I did I did consider that, so I'm still, I'm still landing at a at a C plus. I'm gonna go C plus as well. Mitch Ogilvy going late uh, there, but only what five picks in the draft for an expansion franchise. Not a lot of picks there in 2020 for Dan Carey, no. but I thought. The way he orchestrated things, you know, moving down to the three selection, but getting Wittig in return for that, making the move for Gilray. I think a lot of good things happened for Rochester. They just didn't draft a lot of players. So I'm going to go C-plus as well as we move on. Uh, what do we got? Four teams left here. San Diego, Brad. San Diego Seals starting out with Trey LeClaire and going from there. 
Yeah, I'll go B for San Diego. They get two first rounders. They get Mako Keith late, or I think it really turns some heads in this league at some point. Uh, and then props for taking Troy Loper later on, who's a former uh, CCBLL MVP. So good news out of there from the Cleveland State kid. Um, so yeah, I think there's some good value and some going off the board and taking some flyers on some Americans that every team talks about doing, but not necessarily everybody does. Seals walking the walk. Um, so I'll give him a B. Yeah, and it's interesting to see these guys like Sowers, Mac O'Keefe, Docs Aiken. Like these kids I remember watching in 2016 at the U19 World Championships in Coquitlam here playing field lacrosse and like just being blown away by their talent level. And now they're, you know, four years of college and they're even better and coming into the National Lacrosse League. So it's kind of cool to see those names starting to enter the league. Robbie Stoville, former Brampton player in there as well. For San Diego, I'm going to go – I just – there's a lot of unknown there. I, I like the LeClaire pick. I think he makes their team instantly better. But then after that, like, I, I think there's some unknowns there. I think there's some unknowns there. So I'm going to go C-plus for San Diego as well. Maybe – I'm right on the borderline of a B-minus there as well. But I'm going to go C-plus. Saskatchewan Rush, Brad Schallner, Marshall Palace, Connor McClellan, Bobby Kidd, Clark Walter. How did Derek Keenan and company do in your eyes? I'll grade the Rush a B. They could be an A if Marshall Palace is all that he's That's packed up unknown. to be. But I think based on the unknown there, there would be two first-round picks. McClellan's going to join this club and, and make an impact. And they get a lot of value for getting Bobby Kidd as late as they did. I had him a lot higher. And I think he, because he wasn't a, a high-profile college kid and, and a Western guy, I think he drops a little bit in, on, in some people's draft boards. I think he's great value where they got him from. So I'll give the rush a B. Uh, Bobby Kidd out at the box yesterday along with Denon Armstrong. And uh, who else was out there? Cody Adamson. Uh, Delbs was out there as well again playing goal. So, But you're right. I think Marshall Paulus is the, the X factor here, right? Like we really don't – I saw a picture. Like Marshall had a big draft watching party. <laughs> I think he posted up a bunch of pictures. Man, the kid looks about 14 years old. <laughs> so, like, you know. So how does how does 14 look against Graham Hossick? Well, that's. that's Or Matt Beers, right? This is the thing here. But Saskatchewan, I think, knowing Jeff Shatler's still got a couple more years left, Marshall Palace is not going to need to step into this lineup and be an impact player right away. He may very well be. I don't know. But I just, I think back to the President's Cup in Aquasasne and he performed at a very, very high level. And that was like two years ago now. Yeah. So what was he then? Like 17? Right. So this is like a, crazy. you know, a, a kid that's 160 pounds and whatever he is, 5'10", playing against full grown men with wooden sticks in senior B lacrosse where they don't call Jack, you know what, mm-hmm. and did just fine. So, when it's a little more open and free-flowing and, and you're surrounded by star players, like, I can't wait to see what this kid can do. But until he actually does it, it's hard to really know. So, for me, I'm going to go B-plus for Saskatchewan. And even their late-round picks like Borisenko and and Wyatt Hauk in, in the 92nd overall or whatever, like, I think they got some really good value late in this draft as well and could surprise some people with their late picks, including Clark Walter out of Limestone, 
again, I think a Western kid with not a lot of spotlight on him, not a big, highly touted, but this kid can ball. And, and I think he's going to push for a roster spot as well. So B-plus for Saskatchewan, two teams to go. Toronto Rock is up next. Someone's got to lose the draft, and I think this year it's going to be Toronto Rock. You know, they shipped out a lot of high-round picks the last couple of seasons. Their first pick didn't come to a 30th overall to take TD Lerland, the, the face-off specialist out of, out of Yale. That was their highest pick. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a guy that's going to fit into that team and, and make it back to the national process? People I don't say know. yeah. People are saying, yeah, that uh, he can not only – I mean, he's a dominant face-off guy, but he can play some defense as well. So we'll see. So we'll – yeah, we'll see. And then they stick close to him and get a bunch of Orangeville, Junior, Mimico, Oakville, Junior A-type players, but with – and a lot, a lot of the defenders too. Based on what their D looks like, a lot of those guys are going to be hard-pressed to crack that roster. Um, so I think we give the Toronto Rock about a – here i'm gonna go c minus just because uh jamie dowick's a friend and i don't i don't want to hear it from him (laughs) but you know what though like for a guy that didn't pick until the 30th hole to get td ireland there and if he makes their team that's that's a home run for for toronto in the draft like if you're third if your first pick at 30 can make your team you hit it out of the park so we'll see uh, I'll, and speaking of C, I'll go C minus. Don't don't be mad. Last team, Vancouver Warriors, and we were both on the rebowering high horse here. They had to give up their second round pick to get them, but they get the Coquitlam Junior A captain and rebowering. And then after that, Cromer, Tack, Bot, Boom, Arsenal, Zabo. I'm a little skeptical on the rest of the draft here, to be quite honest with you, Brad. I don't know where you come out on. No, and I, I feel the same way, and, and it's that's good news for Vancouver because it means their roster is a lot deeper than it's been in years past. They've got some great uh, young players that have formed their back end, and Derek Lloyd and, and Sam Clare, and and don't forget we've got uh, Brett Midsky joining the club next season. Yeah. The elite should be happy yes. and healthy and ready to go. Man, so what they're a difference those two are getting made. Like, Holy come on, cow. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so basically almost the next time you see the Warriors play, you could have Bowering whether school happens or not, plus Midski, plus B Leach. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. So I liked how they moved up to secure Bowering, who you and I thought in any other year could be a number one guy. They they have pretty high hopes around Adam Cromer, who they took at forty four. Yeah. Yeah. We heard from Dan Richardson last week saying that he that he didn't think he should have been taken that low. He was kind of pissed off about it. So I think they have a chance of seeing Adam Cromer crack this lineup or a practice roster spot. So uh, I'm going to go C plus for the Vancouver Warriors. I think, I think Tack's going to uh, be in tough against uh, Brody Harris, who they signed. Brody Harris went undrafted. Yeah, he was Stamper's what highest goaltender rank heading into the Nate heading Fasine into the draft. Was so was undrafted, yeah. but now I think could steal the number three spot away from Mateo Tack at Warriors camp. So they bring four goalies to camp. Likely only three will will come out alive, and it's going to be between Tack and, and Brody Harris. You know, I'm not just because I'm the Delta guy, but I think Brody Harris has a lot. Oh, it is because you're a, a Delta guy, upside, bro. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid C plus Vancouver Warriors. <laughs> Sponsor of the program, I will go A double. Pl- no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I will I will go C plus as well. I think that rebowering move to get him was was huge for the franchise and. Listen, if they can get one of these other guys to stick in their lineup, so be it. But it's honestly not a bad problem to have. Like, you almost don't want your later draft picks to make it because your team is so good that they just can't. 
You know what I'm exactly. saying there? So exactly. hopefully with that depth, like you mentioned, coming in, that, that might be the case there for Vancouver. So there's our letter grades, and I thought that went pretty well. We are This is going to be maybe our longest episode ever. I don't even care, but right now it's time for something else. Let's begin. All right now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Let's try something else. Hey, lacrosse classified listeners. Jake, Bradley, how are you doing on this Sunday afternoon? Jim Else here from uh, Overcast, Cobble Hill, BC. I'm in my garage right now that I'm not going to clean later on. Um, Mrs. Jim has gone uh, away for a week here, and uh, it will be in the exact same shape next week as it is right now because uh, I'm just not going to clean it. What can you do? Anyways, it is Sunday. I've just uh, been watching my timeline and seeing um, the highs of emotion from the Buffalo Bills fans as they go to 3-0, and like Brandon uh, Sanderson uh, giving the old uh, yip to you. And then I've uh, got people on my Philadelphia timeline that are just uh, lamenting the fact that they can't, uh, can't win a game and uh, even the tie is a loss. So uh, keep everybody happy all the time. Over to lacrosse here. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about Halifax Thunderbirds. Um, should rename themselves the Halifax Wagoneers, uh, building a wagon out there, doing it smart, uh, doing it efficiently, uh, hiring good names, uh, filling vacancies. Uh, we're talking about coaches, scouts, um, players, the whole show. Speaking of players, I'm just kind of digging around and I see, uh, you know, they drafted at number 11, this uh, this kid, they call him the big rig, uh, Ethan Rigg, um, six foot three, 215 pounds, and people are comparing him to Graham Hosick. Uh, and what a great place to go and learn how to play lacrosse uh, from a guy like Graham Hosick. An unreal acquisition there and uh, they're just going to be flat out good their social is unreal too just keeps on pounding 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 they are the benchmark for social media in the nll um uh, with no offense to the nll but uh, i think halifax does it better than than anybody including the nll um i hope devin caney doesn't come at me on the uh, on the twitter but uh anyways it's just the way she goes uh, they do a great job and they keep people engaged and that's what we're looking for right now keep people engaged until that until we're back going here and let the floodgates open and get the people back in the seats watching a great game and um and just keeping them engaged and halifax is doing a great job so uh, i'm gonna go back to not cleaning my garage i'm gonna have a beer maybe a gin and uh cook dinner for my son and uh and have a good rest of the, the sunday you guys uh, take care and thanks for listening and uh jake uh, thanks for keeping me on one more week um i know the pink slip's coming at some point but uh until then let's uh, just enjoy it take care good times Something else brought to you by G. Wilson Construction, building fine custom homes. That is their single focus. And if you want to start your career in the construction business, go to gwilsonconstruction.com, upload your resume, find the Work With Us tab in the top right corner. Journeymen, craftsmen, laborers, you name it, they're looking for people. Need a job? gwilsonconstruction.com, upload your resume, tell them you heard it here on Locks Class. And start your career in the construction business. And you just heard there from Jimmy Else, positive Jimmer this week. And I think bang on for, for Jim. We've been kind of waiting for loose cannon Jim, fly off the handle Jim. But positive Jimmer once again. And you're right, with everything that Halifax, or he's right, I should say, with everything Halifax is doing, 
Jamie Batley, Joe Sullivan recently hired Tyson Geick uh, doing some work with the social. Charlie Ragusa just kills it uh, with their social media. Kurt Styers with the trades and the drafts and the the rollout of the entire franchise there in California has just been something to behold, impressive, and other teams should really take note of the things that are happening in Halifax and the way they do it. And, man, uh, I think far and away probably the broadcast booth with the most hair product as well there in, in Halifax between Pete Dalladay and, and Patty <laughs> So Halifax is a wagon. Pay attention, other teams, and uh, follow along to what the Thunderbirds are doing because they're making it happen in Halifax, that was something else. And now let's get to break. Sorry, Bradley, not going to let you get in there. This has been a long episode. Let's get to break and let's play a little Who You Got Final Four style in quarter number four, episode 99. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience and extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment. Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Dylan Ward, goaltender for the Colorado Man. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NOL and Boston Cross. Back on Lacrosse Classified. No more breaks as we're into the fourth quarter. Jay Kelly, Brad Challoner with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. And a big thanks goes out to Associated Labels and Packaging at AssociatedLP.com, at AssociatedLP on your social media as well. Labels and Packages, LP. Focusing on people, ethics, quality, family-owned down there in Coquitlam. i got to get a hold of uh, Sean Ashworth, give him the gears. He's a big San Francisco 49ers fan, and they just got decimated with injuries, and and, uh, it brought a little smile to my face. So anytime I get a chance to rub that in on on Ashworth, I'm going to do that. So I'll get a hold of him, but you should get a hold of them by visiting AssociatedLP.com. Check out the latest uh, in their blog. They're always updating their website with the latest in technology and what they're doing down there around Associated LP. And it's always interesting stuff. Uh, Single serve packaging, upcoming beverage packaging trends, all sorts of stuff. Check it out at AssociatedLP.com slash news. And uh, you can keep up to date with everything that's going on with those guys. Uh, as we're into the fourth quarter, I mentioned it in quarter number one, kind of screwed that up. But that's the life of a podcaster here, Brad. Sometimes mistakes are going to happen. So we kind of already let you know who the final four is and how they got there and all that sort of stuff. So this should be a fairly quick segment. Uh, but first, before we get to that, uh, I got to let you know, Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course, Boots, hats, coats, jeans. They got it all there. Check out the website at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local. I always tell people this. If you've never checked out the website, just don't think, oh, like this is some sort of like cowboy country store. No, they have all sorts of things that you would never think that would maybe be in this store that you're going to go like, oh. And, and next thing you know, you're buying a bunch of stuff. So check it out, stampede.ca. We're shopping online, still shopping local, and I guarantee you, you find yourself something to purchase online there. 
So down to our final four we are here, Brad, and a couple of dandy matchups. Uh, let's just dive right in here. Andy Ogilvy and Scotty McMichael. Who you got? This is old school, man. Oh, man. I, you know, <laughs> like I, how much would you pay to actually watch this fight? I wonder if these guys, guys I wonder if these guys ever went too. I should ask. You know, both both Hall of Famers, uh, both Man Cup champions. That's about as old school as you get. You know, I've got to go rest in peace, Scotty McMichael, and Scotty McMichael for the win. He, he's looking good to win this whole tournament, I think. I, you know what? I think you might be right on that. But I, man, I wonder if these guys did fight in their prime. Have to ask Ogie about that. But I'm just going to, like I said, I don't want to play favorites with anybody. I don't want to upset anybody. So if you want to get mad, you can get mad at the coin. I'm going with the coin in both of these fights. Ogie is heads. Psycho is tails. Here we go. Heads is the call. I'm taking Andy Ogilvie to beat Scotty McMichael. We'll see how that one plays out. Vote will be up on Twitter. Over to the other side of the bracket we go, and these guys have actually fought, I think, more than one occasion. I will uh, find some links and post this in the Twitter poll as well. But, uh, man, oh, man, I would love to watch it again. Jeff Snyder up against Rory Smith. Brad Schellner, yeah. who so you now got? We've got? Who you got? Now we've got, rel- now we've got relatively new school versus the old school. Mm-hmm. This too, I did I did the same rabbit hole, you know, and, and coming into this, I think I said Rory was going to was gonna clean house, but <sighs> I think I might have to go Snides here, man. I might have to change my tune and go Snides after watching them yeah. go. I think Snyder, was, Rory, I think, was more feared, but I think Jeff Snyder was a better fighter. If you know, if you catch my drift yeah, there, like Rory with take. a stick in his hand and take. cross-checking and slashing, give me Rory Smith as maybe a more feared guy to see on the floor as you're stepping out as an offensive player. Um, Jeff Snyder just did so many other things as well that made him lethal, but I think pound for pound, bare-knuckle boxing, I, I, I think I go Jeff Snyder. Okay, okay. Mark I, it down. Yeah, I think. I think Rory, back when he fought Snyder in the in the early years, I think he was still kind of learning his craft. Whereas Snyder was well established and yeah, he was seasoned. Yeah, so I I think Rory became a better fighter as the years went on, especially once he when he got into his New West years and stuff. Like he would just destroy people, and and he was very technical about it as well. He had that little duck under move that he did you know what i'm saying where he'd slip underneath your arm and put his head on the outside of your elbow and then come back at you like that so he he really liked that move and of course uh he he designed his pads brad so it was one little click of of the pad. his whole whole thing would just drop yeah, out free. of his yeah like it, his kidney his shoulder everything would just drop out of his his jersey and it was just left with nothing so that was very innovative as well. But uh, Jeff Snyder, Rory Smith, check it out on YouTube. I'll post a link up as well. But, I'm again, I'm going to the coin. Snyder's heads, Smith is tails. Here we go. Another heads, Brad. I'm going Jeff Snyder as well, even though I think the fans might vote Rory Smith here. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we both got Snyder. You got Psycho. I got Andy. Well, I guess the coin does, but we'll see how those fights play out. And 
I think that's it, man. Are we done on, on episode 99? I think we need to kick around what we're going to do next week. Oh, yeah. It is a big one. I know I've only been here for like four now of the last uh, hundred. Well, it but... doesn't feel like that, though, Brad. Like, it... No, and it's been just over two years. I think 100 is a nice, cool number. Like, you know what I'd like to do next week? Mm. I think you and I each get to pick our dream guest. Okay. Like bucket list guest. And that's who we sh- that's who we shoot for, or maybe our favorite guest of all time. Well, we got it. That's who yeah. we shoot for. I mean, they got maybe st- like who was or who was your favorite player going up that you'd like to talk to now. Well, they got to say yes though, Brad. Like we can, <laughs> we can want them to come on the show. Assuming everybody is just going to be chomping at the bit yeah. to to say yes, but like if you could throw any name at the wall, mm. like you're building a show from scratch, and here's the the guest I'm going to launch with. Mm-hmm. Who's who's it gonna be? Oh man, for me, it's probably Dawson. I love talking to Dan Dawson. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. My, my mine's mine's similar. I think mine's Colin Doyle. Yeah, well, that's like, a, that sounds like a pretty good show, right there. Do we try a Doyle? Do we try a Doyle Dawson show for one hundred? Like, yeah. I know, mean, that, that was my favorite player growing up. He's always a great chat. We can fire up some Oasis together and yeah. and and talk about the brothers Gallagher. <laughs> oh God. Um, Morning glory. So yeah. those guys are both the some of the best lacrosse interviews out there. Yeah, and uh, you know, like uh, not a bad not a bad lineup as well. So maybe we'll effort that. Like I said, I'm going to give away a hat and a t-shirt. Uh, we're probably going to have to give away that on episode 101, as we'll allude to the final next episode for episode 100, and and then crown the champion on 101. So I'll. Post that uh, giveaway up on episode 100, and then we'll give it away to the winner on episode 101. And and Adam Levy suggesting that we maybe do like a best of for episode 100. I I don't know. I always find that's really tough to do to kind of piece it together a best of out of 100 episodes. Like I would not know how to begin to to do that. So who I don't... is? Let me ask you in the last hundred episodes. Mm. Who do you think was the best interview you've done, or your favorite interview, or the last? My favorite interview out of last one hundred. Oh, I probably Lyle Thompson. Yeah, I that was that was a good chat. That was a good chat with you guys. Yeah, yeah, that was a special one too. You guys hit a lot of covered a lot of ground in that one. Yeah, and I mean, uh, man, there's there's so many. Like I can I don't know if I can I can narrow that down. Like I, you know, the commissioner coming on when when the the labor strike took place, and you know the PLPA guys coming out. Like that's what kind of launched this podcast is is when that labor strike was going on. Nobody was really talking about it. I was unemployed more or less. I didn't have, like I wasn't with Saskatchewan. I wasn't with Vancouver and the reins were kind of off and, and Evan and I were able to talk about a lot of things that I probably wouldn't be able to talk about now. Probably should have talked about back yeah. then, but those guys were super accommodating and it let people on the outside in a little bit on what exactly was happening. So that would have to be up there as well, but man, like th- that's tough to try and go back and think about all that. So. Well, and and just before that, like before I took the break, mm. what would have been episode, I guess, I don't know, negative two or three, like right before you started to count at uh, at zero again or one again, yeah, was when we were covering the uh, the 2018 Mental Cup, and we had 
Doug Arthur on ranting about Jeff Keith suspension. And then we had Greg, then we had Greg Hart, the referee uh, yeah. chief from Alberta to come on. And yeah. he told that side of the story. Like that was right before the reset too. So there were some, there were some heavy as lacrosse is never short of, of heavy philosophical debates like that. But yeah, there was those shows leading into the lockout and. Well, maybe we do that, yeah. Brad. Maybe we like, we don't like piece it all together, but maybe we take, our top five highlights of what's happened. And we can go back further than just, you know, back, we can go back to 2018 or even in longer stealth classified um, and just pick, pick our favorite moments out. And, and maybe we just kick those around a little bit for episode 100. Or let us know, hit us up on there Twitter. Let us know what you, what you want to hear. Dream guests. Um, yeah. Our favorite interviews, our favorite players growing up. Let us know. Yeah, uh, and I've had a bunch of people kind of jump into the DMs lately and, and uh, have some suggestions and some feedback, which I always appreciate as well. So keep that coming at Lax Class, at Lacrosse Classified. For now, though, Bradley, I think we are done on Episode 99. <laughs> episode 100 is coming up next Tuesday. We'll have it for you right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. And all courtesy of our fabulous partners, fans, listeners, make sure you're supporting our sponsors here that's how this podcast keeps going stampede tack and western wear the vancouver warriors associated labels and packaging g wilson construction and of course manscape don't forget use that promo code lax class 20 wherever you get your manscape products manscape.com um Subscribe to the podcast if you have not done that yet. Shame on you. Don't wait any longer. Just hit the subscribe button. Gets delivered straight to your phone. You can get a hold of me at PXP for Sports. Any social media platform you can think of, I will be there at PXP for Sports. Brad Challoner is at Brad Chow. The show, we mentioned that, of course, as well. And email, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. If you're just one of those emailers and not on social media, you can still... Get a hold of us. All right, we are done. Big thanks to John Arlotta for coming on the program and to you for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday for episode 100. Can't wait. For Brad Challoner, I've been Jake Elliott. And for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator, be safe and be healthy, everybody.